Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Steve Perriman podcast. Uh, disappointing times for us all and some bad feeling about uh, the last couple of performances, stroke non-performances, that we'll mention later. Just to start off on a more positive note, as I said last week, um, I always get asked to name the best 11 players I played with during my 17 years in the first team, which I'm always very lax to give because... I don't really want to be pinned to that because, you know, when I'm dealing with players from the 70s or the 80s, I know I played in both teams, but is it right to judge people that way? Um, some can do it over greater distances than my 10 years, but it's something I'm not capable with. So as I did say last week, I'd prefer to name a squad. I gave you a bit of a clue uh, to that squad and I'm just going to give a, um, a few sentences about each player and if I've decided one to be the number one for instance goalkeeper between Pat and, and Ray I will I will do it when I need to do it but uh, won't do it just for the sake of it so I'm starting with big Pat Jennings wonderful goalkeeper a big personality who used his feet and legs as well as anyone I've ever seen in the goalkeeping world. Spoke to him this week, um, being St. Patrick's Day, I always try to phone him round about this time and he's always interesting to talk to and he had some interesting things to say about um, you know, because we ended up talking about pundits and tactics regarding uh, Bill Nicholson's instructions. Um, and he quoted something to me. I think this is aimed more at the punditry, to be fair. He said, Steve, in his own way, Steve, those that drink the water should remember those that dug the well. And that's a typical calm Pat Jennings um, he was always calm on the pitch and um, but you know great great at taking the crosses and we all remember the one-handed cross he was in taking and famous for so great man um, uh, Ray next Ray Clements much capped goalkeeper not not as many as, as as Pat Jennings, but uh, of course, Ray had more competition for that spot in the national team. Uh, extremely professional man, as was Pat. Uh, neither of them were captain of the team, uh, but I swear to you, you could hear them above the noise of the crowd, uh, even at places like Old Trafford and and Anfield, they would they would get their message across to you if they wanted you to move 10, 15 yards or get back a bit quicker or Ray would always sort of send messages through me. Stevie, get at Glenn. Tell him, 
tell him we need him back here a bit quicker or whatever. So um, both good drivers of, of the rest of the team. Uh, Clem, I think, takes it on his organisation of the defence from, yeah, from behind uh, whilst we were attacking. And um, I think I've said in past weeks that uh, when you're watching the likes of Glenn and Ozzy and Martin Peters and such like, they it's easy to get drawn into watching their great moves or great play or great movement sometimes at the expense of your own position and readiness when the ball comes out. So, um, yeah, I, I take Pat to just shade it. And the reason I say that is because I witnessed Pat save a struggling team on so many occasions. Um, and of course the team was stronger by the time Ray joined. So he didn't have as much chance to, to make as many saves, if you like. So left back, um, I've been a bit of a coward on this one, Cyril Knowles and Chrissy Hewton. So I'm gonna push Chrissy over to right back. Uh, what a left foot Cyril had. Um, terrific overlapping fullback uh, who could pick out his target, be it across, I can remember so many goals from his crosses or his serve up to the front players that was, was a way that uh, Bill and Eddie used to want to play back to front, back into midfield, and then we start. So that ball served up to the front man, say up to Big Chiv, was, was, was a major part of, of, of Cyril showing his left foot. Uh, always played with a smile on his face, but despite that, could be extremely nasty in his challenges and uh, was one hell of a competitor. Um, I enjoyed Cyril's company off the field and me and Phil Holder used to have jibes with him all the time about Yorkshire and Middlesex where we both stood as cricket in powers or not so powerful because he was a, a, a true Yorkshireman and... Um, so gave us a fair bit of jip about our posh boys at Lords <laughs> playing for Middlesex. Uh, Chrissy not as comfortable with his left foot, obviously, because he was a right-footed player. Uh, so as I mentioned, moving to right back. Very cultured player, Chrissy, uh, who very rarely missed games or challenges, actually, without being as competitively nasty as Cyril was. Um, but again, different era. So maybe that sort of emphasizes Chrissy was, was cool and calm and calculated. And Cyril was uh, one tough, tough boy, tough man. And um, God bless him, Cyril, having left us now. Uh, Centre-backs, Mike England, uh, out and out number five, big bloke to attack and win the headers, could also play with the ball at his feet. And Bill wanted him also to serve the ball up to the front men. I mentioned to Chiv. I'll also mention Gilly, because he was ripe for serving the ball up to. No panic in his game whatsoever. And what I like about Mike, he joined the club when, um, when it was the club to join 
albeit there were other suitors, you know, vying for his signature. But he decided that uh, Spurs was going to be the, the club for him. And I think Bill Nicholson had a, had a lot to do with that decision. Mike always helped me with um, his voice, uh, both advice and, you know, cheering me up. Um, always good instructions that were worth listening to. So I, I really enjoyed Mike England and speak to him probably a couple of times a year now. Um, I've gone for Graham Roberts alongside Mike um, simply because he could bring the ball out of defence and therefore shades it over Phil Bill, who was also in the, the squad. Um, and Graham's eye for the important goal and, and never say die attitude. You know, Graham would put his life on the line to stop the ball going in the net and, um, and also to help it going into the opponent's net, as, as we know from the UEFA Cup final and stuff. So Phil Bill was always Mr. Reliable. Um, when I was an apprentice professional, I'd be cleaning boots on a Monday afternoon after training. We'd be opening up the skip for the first team boots that were had arrived back from the away game or from the home game. And the, the trainers of the time always talked about the previous uh, match. And it would be, if it was away from home, it'd be a game that we didn't see. And we always asked who was the best player? Who was the best player? Which is really important to young players. <laughs> and uh, the answer always was Phil Bill. <laughs> always. And it could have been Greaves who scored a hat-trick, but who was the best player? Cecil, Cecil Pointer. And it would always be Phil Bill because of being this Mr. Reliable. Um, but a, a stopper as a player and, you know, would tidy things up and, you know, would I could always have this image of him passing the ball back to, to Pat, having tidied it up. So in midfield, what an array of talent. Wow. Um, Glenn Hoddle, master passer, best player I've ever played with, um, most technical player, short and long, could deliver everything that he saw up to the front um, and normally be on the front in for chances at goal. And, and part of his ability was he was never afraid to foul. Um, it wouldn't affect his confidence and... You know, if it didn't foul, there would be chance of something good happening next for us uh, with regard to threatening their goal. And I, again, an image is the two passes he made, uh, different types of passes he made for Garth Crooks at Highbury uh, versus Wolves in that semi-final that got us to the, to the Wembley, 81. Aussie, shorter passes, busier. I always said Aussie didn't like passing the ball long because he knew it would take longer to get back to him if he passed it over too big a distance. Uh, active mind uh, and legs, big, big help to his defenders. Um, told me one day, always looking for the quality and wanted you to serve him the ball correctly and, and told me one day that when some teammates, no names, when some teammates pass him the ball or give you the ball it's round when others do it by the time it gets to him it's a cube <laughs> which tells you one could be used and one couldn't be used 
So I had a great relationship with those two worldly talents, in my opinion. Uh, certainly not the same relationship with two more great midfield players, um, as I was the junior partner to them in the midfield three, uh, Alan Mullery, Martin Peters. Um, Mullers was an inspirational driver of, of players around him and his team, captain of high repute and could, you know, everyone speaks about Martin Peters drifting into spaces, but Alan Mullery could surge there and of course scored some important goals as per proven with the AC Milan goal that put us through and the Wolves winner in the UEFA Cup final and what a striker of the ball Alan Mullery was I don't know if anyone remembers his goal of the year for Fulham I think after he'd left us a volley from the edge of the box wow Martin Peters, God bless him, and Ray Clem, all left us now, um, was a calmer, clever, calculated reader of the game, who floated around midfield and sort of a, well, did arrive in the opponent's box to score. Uh, described as ghosting in, uh, into positions. Uh, I, I don't think he was always appreciated by the White Hart Lane crowd which I think had more to do with his style and his brain of trying to win the ball in a different manner than maybe me and Mullers who were being prepared to crash into the tackle and put our foot there. Martin was more a thinker, so um, that elegant style sometimes worked against him. I'm going to put all the front men, and what an array this is, um, Greaves, Gilzine, Chivers, Archibald, Galvin. I've pushed Galv into the into the front line. I know he's not. He's a left-sided midfield player and, and what a good player he was. But Jimmy Graves, Greaves, super goal scorer. Um, wonderful man. I didn't play with him for long enough, unfortunately. But um, what I, when I did play with him, you could see the class oozing out of his, his calm and calculated way of waiting for defenders to sell themselves and being able to then pass the ball into the net. Gilzine, Greaves, he said, was his best strike partner. Gilly was, was terrific for me, my room partner for four or five years. Taught me a lot in all sorts of ways. Um, enjoyed himself on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, a super super professional uh, as against what some people think about his, his, his maybe his life off the field, but super professional, so fit to run around. I think he was a cross country um, champion in his younger days in Scotland. And um, we all know the, the, the wonderful use of his head and not only to score goals, but to set up goals and flick on corners or long throw-ins that seemed to be around in those days, not so much now. Um, but Gilly was, um, as I say, a, a great partner. Um, Chivers was alongside those two as well at times. Um, Chiv had uh, a few problems with injuries, and I think that hindered his career. But when eventually he got back to fitness, he, he, he burst onto the scene. And I, I always think that he was the best goal scorer in Europe for a couple of years at least. Um, 
okay, he wasn't so good getting up to that point and then probably came down a bit too quick off the back of it. But but two years was his purple patch and, and such a strong body. And I, I sometimes think that he didn't use his body enough and, um, you know, you just had to look at him and to see how powerful he was. And and we're never going to forget the first leg of the UEFA Cup final when he, when he scored a header and a thunderous shot to uh, to put us in a good position for the second game. Steve Archibald, um, yeah, from Scotland, signed from Aberdeen and quick off the mark, sharp, smelt the chance, wanted to score every game, was one of these players that, you know, if we if we won, if we won three one, but he didn't score, he'd have the ump until the next next game next weekend. He he walked about with a sore head uh, because he he lived and died on his goals. And um, of course, when he left us, had a had a, a successful career with Barcelona, and that takes some doing. So um, so well done, Archie. And last one, Tony Galvin. Um, Tony Gowman is the is the sort of balance that every team needs, and he certainly give it to our early eighties team. Signed from non-league, and in a way, you could see a bit of non-league in his team, maybe a bit of naivety, but but wow, um, did he do a job out on that left, and and could go past you without extreme pace, but. Always got in a good cross and and uh, more than held his own in terms of being a a, a a competitive part of our team. And we all think about that team with maybe myself and Roberts and Miller being prepared to put our foot in and and stuff. And Clem was no shrinking violet where that was concerned, by the way. And uh, Tony added to that. Um, to that part of our game as well. And, um, and of course was more educated than the rest of us put together. So um, that's a good bit. So I've left myself out because I think I could have covered, um, well, I haven't left myself out. I'm part of the squad and I think I deserve to be, I think I, most of the other people in that uh, lineup, I know Mallory and Peters were captains and maybe that's why I ended up hopefully a decent captain because I learned from, from those two uh, being around them uh, in the midfield area in the in the seventies, successful team. So, um, but I could fill in anywhere along that back line and uh, in midfield. Of course, not attacking midfield that wasn't my game by any means. But uh, so I think I'm a I'm a realistic sub um, to be used. So. Um, Hopefully that's give you a bit of a lift. I don't think I've told you anything particularly new there about these players that you've all followed. Um, a total joy and an honour to play with those. And I have to say there are some others in amongst my two teams, 70s and 80s. Um, and because of injury, no one will know how good Peter Collins would have been finished too early. Um, Jimmy Pierce looked like, um, I know Bill Nick really rated him. He finished too early and Roger Morgan, for instance. So you never know how good those players were going to be. And, and 
you know, just I suppose I'm picking a, a, a consistent team who did it over the course of time and, and we won trophies with, with all the players that I've mentioned. And winning trophies is part of what makes you a good player. And, and that's why we're all hoping for some type of success as soon as possible for, for the likes of Harry Kane and, and the top boys in our, in our team at the moment. So that does bring me on. I'm going to now introduce, uh, as ever, Tom. Thanks for, for being with us. And Howard. Um, some thoughts, please. Let's go for the Arsenal um, game first. And Howard, would you like to start us off on, on Arsenal? The Arsenal game, a bit like last night's game and a bit like so many other games earlier this season, I can best describe as saying we didn't turn up. We were never, we were never in regular setup, organised, excited. There was none of this. We came onto the pitch. And Mourinho says that at half, says at half time, they'd been the better side, but we were catching up. I didn't see that. Second half, maybe it was more evenly matched, but at no point did you get this feeling of urgency. At no point did you get the excitement to this can really happen. Yeah, yeah. I think we've seen that with many matches this season. We yeah. just had a, had a run of five wins in the, on the spin and we looked like a decent side for a bit. Yeah. And then we followed up with these two games, which were appalling. Yeah, the critics would say that that was against... Um lower uh, opposition and we've struggled against the, the better team, although I'm now thinking about Man United away where we where we trounced them. Um, Tom, anything? Yeah, I mean, we, I, th- I think the most disappointing thing about the game was that we, we started with an attacking lineup and we didn't attack. We just, uh, we, yeah, they were they were there for the taking. That was shown in the fact that in the last ten minutes, when we had ten men, um, we looked more likely to score than they did when we actually finally started going for it. Um, but in the first half, in particular, we just we sat off them. We didn't learn what was going on on the right hand side, where where Doherty was just being taken for breakfast every time um, by the um, by the Arsenal left hand side. Um, you know. If you're going to start with attacking players in the way that we did, play to it, play to our strengths. Yeah, play to that I, team strengths. That that worried me as well because um, you know after five wins, after five wins does not mean to say the sixth win is a nailed-on victory, but I think it gives you a bit of freedom, especially playing away at Arsenal, for off the back of those five wins to truly go for them. Go for them. And, you know, when I'm thinking about Everton in the Cup, um, you know, we started off like a train and and got a goal up, but then all of a sudden we're 3-1 down. But eventually, I don't think anyone really moaned about that defeat against Everton that, 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 because we had a go. That's that's the thing. We That, that was a game that we all remember, like, relatively fondly in terms of the way the game went it was two it was two teams just going for it it was a good game of football what a game that game against Arsenal was just horrible it was yeah, uh, yeah no one's ever gonna I mean we'll always remember Eric Lamella's amazing goal it was incredible it had me off my seat it had me yeah. um, making a squeaking noise that my neighbours were probably uh, quite concerned about but um, the actual 
game itself was just it was diabolical we um yeah. we we that's not what we want to see it's not how we want to see us playing against our local rivals um sure. not even from a tactical perspective it was yeah you, you you can you can accept certain elements of 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 soaking up pressure um and playing on the break but we there was there was not there was none of that no howard um with regard to lamella yeah anything to say about that did you did you expect him to get a second yellow card for instance most people mm-hmm. did I think it's almost gets nailed on. That's why he doesn't usually start matches because he's not going to be there for 90 minutes. Yeah. But I mean, um, the, the, the second, the second yellow, yellow card, how ridiculous do you want to be? He looked around to see if the referee was watching. <laughs> okay. He's, he's, he's got, he's directly in my, my eyesight. I'll do him now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm taking take him off early. I, I've spoken to many players over the course of my being captain or coach or assistant manager or managers at various clubs. And I found myself saying to certain players like Lamella, I think you're a clever footballer. But when you try to be too clever, you're not clever enough. Do you know what I mean by that, chaps? Yeah. It's, yeah. When, for instance, he takes part in the Man United game and their player ends up getting sent off, maybe everyone thinks that's great. The opponents are down to 10 men, etc. Well, all the referees in the country are watching that game. And what are they going to think about the next time that they referee Lamella? They're they're waiting for him, aren't they? And Absolutely. therefore, sometimes I think he's, he's hard done by, actually. So um, so that's a bit of a shame. Uh, I spoke to Mickey Hazard and he said, he owned up to me, that he turned the Arsenal performance off after an hour. And he said, Steve, I felt disloyal doing it. I said, well, let me tell you, Mick, I did not turn it off. But I walked into a different room, another room, left the door open so I could hear if we equalized. Because that's what I, as a Spurs man, I wanted us to do was to equalize. And um, and actually, with 10 men, we looked like we had more chance yeah. of equalizing or scoring than we did for the rest of the game. So it's the only time we really attacked yeah. throughout the game. Yeah, you have um, to say you have to say, Tom, that that some coaches veer towards coaching with the ball. I'm talking um, Rogers. I'm talking um, the Man City manager Pep and others. I think the Brighton manager coaches with the ball. What they do with the ball, Um, Fulham. Fulham, yeah. a good team with the ball. Um, and then there's others like Big Sam and uh, the Burnley manager, Sean sure. Deitch. Uh, and Mourinho is probably the art master at coaching without the ball. And the problem with that being your starting point is there's, there's if you overdo what your players are going to do when the opponents do this or do that, you take away a bit of freedom and their instinct. 
And I can imagine people listening to this saying, well, why can't you, why can't you be 50% one, 50% of the other? Because <laughs> that's how the game is played. You attack and you defend. Um, I think it's very nigh on impossible to get that sort of seesaw thing right in the middle. I think you veer one way or the other. And therefore, um, you know, the people that make the decision to for M M Jose Mourinho to be our manager, this cannot be a, a, a big surprise that this type of thing can happen. So um, anyway, let's go on to the uh, Zagreb game. And uh, I would own up that I didn't see it. I listened to the last sort of 10 minutes, 20 minutes on um, TalkSport 2 um, that sent it in to, got sent into extra time and therefore the extra time. And then maybe we were hoping for penalties and it didn't happen. So I didn't see it live. Uh, of course, I've seen the goals and of course, I've listened to the, to the interviews after. So your thoughts having watched it live, chaps? Well, um, like I said, for the previous game, it looks like it didn't turn up. And yet you hear the interviews and you hear the other, other people's comments and it feels like they, I mean, Jose actually says, I told them that if we get an early goal, we're through. And then I told them to stay 10 yards back. Then I told them to do this. Whatever he told them, they didn't do, yeah. is what he's saying. That tells, tells me a lot about him as a manager. Yeah. Well, it's worrying. It's worrying if you are not carrying out the orders of your manager and yeah. your coach, isn't it? That's worrying. Uh, Tom, from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, Hugo's comments after the game said quite a lot. We, uh, I haven't seen him come out that emotionally um, without the kind of more media trained comments about like we go again and next game's another game and all that kind of thing he did he, he said none of that he said he, he made out that there's some real issues um going on at the moment and uh you know that and the fact that yeah we, we're hearing Mourinho didn't talk to the players after the game um I mean the, the performance like Howard says was 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 a nothing performance we didn't show up we didn't ever really look like we were looking to make an impact in the game um yeah we 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 could have quite easily scored a goal i guess i mean like harry harry had a chance saved um bale hit one just wide lacelso had one well saved and you know the narrative of the game may change on the, on the basis of one of those going in and we say that like oh god we just scraped through gutsy performance kind of thing um but i think even if that had happened we'd be asking serious questions about the way um we approached the game and uh, and the way yeah. the players the way the players played and whether as Howard says if that's from them not doing what the manager asks or just not listening to what the manager said um not respecting what he asked who knows but it yeah. doesn't bode well either way it's almost like when the end of the game comes be it Arsenal or Zagreb when the game looks like it's lost we then shake off our inhibitions of being this defensive unit 
without freedom or instinct, like I said before. And then we open up and show everyone that there is goals in us or there could be goals in us. At least there's a, there's a threat to the opponent. So um, I th maybe I, I this sounds like I told you so, but I did say on the last podcast, this game is not over. I think Zagreb showed enough in the first game, albeit I agree we should have been more goals up than the two. Um, and I was reading this stuff that we, you know, when we win a game, everything's great. And Jose sent him on as a, as a Hoiberg, sent him on as a, as a yeah. sub to get the yellow card to free him up for the future rounds. Well, I guarantee you, had Hoiberg been playing, we don't concede see. three goals. Absolutely. We do not concede three goals. He'd have certainly laid a, a bit of a glove on that the third goal, that run well, through the middle of the park. Some, where we just... Someone needed to, Tommy. Mm. Someone needed to lay something on yeah. somebody because we were just open house. And again, that's only been by me watching a, a rerun of the goal afterwards. But, um, yeah, so, you know, any podcast that we were thinking, you know, up to this point, we weren't doing podcasts for the UEFA Cup games because there's too many teams left in it. And, you know, but we'll, we'll start doing them maybe when we get to the last eight. Well, now our midweeks are going to be free, aren't they? So, um, so whether that's a plus or a minus, I'm not quite sure. But do you think, do you think Jose's safe in his job? I honestly don't know. Um, it would be strange to sack him just before we got a League Cup final. We keep kind of forgetting this game is coming up. We could be we could be holding a trophy in five weeks' time. Yeah, none of us believe we'll be holding a trophy, mm. but it's still possible. Um, yeah. And he'll be a hero if we do, if we won something. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be a hero, but I think if he, if we can win the trophy and finish top four somehow, we're not we're not going to finish top four. Well, no. no. I mean, we've it's, it's, we've got to go all out for it now, haven't we? I mean, you, yeah. you kind of you kind of wonder if we got to aim for fifth or sixth to get into Europa League again. Hmm. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying least... is he w he will be a hero if we do finish top four. Yeah. At least we are in the final, but um, that doesn't seem so great at the minute with us all sat here, sort of worrying about where our club's going to. So. Um, Howard, have you got anything about um, Aston Villa you want to put over to us or shall we leave it where we are, chaps, time-wise? Time-wise, probably, and, and probably uh, morale-wise. Morale, yeah. We, 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 we're obviously, we've been dented, haven't we, the three mm. of us? We're, we're, we're all dented. I would, I would just like to say that Ollie Watkins was part of our setup at, yeah. uh, at Exeter. I'm absolutely delighted that he's been picked in the England squad. Hopefully, I've, I think I know his character and it won't affect him. I want him to score two goals against Tottenham Hotspur and we win 3-2. I think that would be the perfect uh, perfect Sunday for me. Um, I've always, I'd normally say this about teams, I like Aston Villa from the past. We played a very good charity shield game against them 2-2. <laughs> Uh, back in the 80s as, as the 81 Cup winners and they were must have been their league winners. 
And I think they went on to win the European Cup that year, didn't they? Yes, they did. Peter so what, what a performance that was by them. And um, I think they had a change of manager during that campaign. And I think Tony Barton took over uh, for the last semi-final, for instance, and final. Mm. So, um, yeah, well done, them. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, sorry, Howard, if I've wasted your time with the preparing for the Aston Villa, but uh, we definitely got one more game coming up against them, so you could use them for that, so you haven't yep. wasted your time. And thank you for your uh, time, Tom. I know that things are, are a bit tricky for you at home with an operation and stuff happening. So uh, regards to everyone. Thanks for listening. Up the Spurs and, uh, you know, let's go again on uh, on Sunday and see what we can do. Come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.